we are in part three of a sermon series that we're calling Heart Posture. And this conversation is coming to us during this series of worship. And uh, the reason why we're doing this series is because there are millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people that just did what we just did. And they think that that's like all the worship that they have for God. And people can go to church for years and years and years, or people can leave church for years and years, but I really believe that it's based off of misunderstanding of what we just did for the last 30 minutes. So what I'm hoping is in like the next like 45 minutes to an hour that I can share with you just another step in why worship is important to God. Is that cool? Can we do that? Okay, so let's write this down. Let's do a little bit of backtracking so that we're all together. Can you say all together? Here we go. Let's go over the, the definition of worship. Now, last time that I spoke with you, we said that worship defined was our response to God because of his love towards us. But today, what I'm going to show you through the word is what this definition means. Are you ready? Let's write this down. Worship defined is the natural reaction of man in acknowledgement to God as the source. I'll say it one more time. Your worship is your, should be, somebody say should be. Your worship should be the natural reaction and acknowledging God as the source. Now, let's look at the anchor scripture. Now, this is the scripture um, that we've used. Uh, we, we use anchor scriptures in, in sermons so that we can always go back and really understand the concept of what we're trying to get. Remember, I talked about this the first Sunday that David is on his deathbed and he's talking to his son. Can we say Solomon? He's talking to Solomon. Solomon's about to be the next king. And David, out of everything that he tells him in this scripture, he says, this is the most important thing. Not being a king, not being a good husband, not trying to be good with uh, like your prayer, not trying to be a good citizen. Because if your heart is jacked up, everything else doesn't work. So let's go to Proverbs 4.23. Remember, we're just backtracking just a little bit. Proverbs 4, 4.23. Let's go to the New Living Testament. Can you read it with me? It says, guard. One more time. Guard. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's go to the new, uh, the NIV. Now it says, above all else, stop. Now, isn't that interesting that some of us, we put things above taking care of our hearts. We'll put our relationships, we'll put money, we'll put possessions above taking care of ourselves. But how many of you guys know that it's impossible to love somebody if you don't love you? I'll raise another hand and, and go off on this limb and say that you can't love somebody as much as you love yourself. You can't, you can't love somebody more than you love yourself because you have to give out of what you have, which is called a reserve. Amen. So it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything. Scream it with me. You do flows from it. So when we start to look at the title of this sermon series, Heart Posture, long story, what that means is it's your initial, it's the initial position of your heart when it comes to the things of God. And I, it's, it's really interesting because I know that there are people in the room, this is your first time back into a church building. There are people that are watching online that you cursed God last week. I get that. Thank you so much for being in the room. But we're going to learn the word today and we're going to allow it to defend itself. A lot of times pastors, I think, we get into this place, and not our pastor because he's taught me, right? But some pastors, like, they, they sweat and they moan and they groan and then they end up hooping, thinking that because of how they orate or how they speak that people will receive God. But what I understand is that God wants relationship with each and every one of you. And regardless of what I do here, he's all-powerful and almighty. It has nothing to do with how cool my shoes are or how tight my jeans are or how cool or fabulous I am. God doesn't need me to get to you. But for some person in the room, say someone, maybe they need this environment to get closer to him. So how about we make this an environment where somebody can actually learn some skills to change their lives forever? Is that cool? So here we go. Today, I want to talk to you from, uh, from, from this topic. It's called Watch the Throne. Can you say Watch the Throne? A couple of years ago, Kanye West uh, came out with this album, um, and, and one of the songs was called, uh, the album was called Watch the Throne, and him and Jay-Z were on this album, right? And it was really interesting. One time I was in the gym, and I was listening to music, and somebody from our church was at the gym with me, and they were asking, like, hey, what are you listening to? Uh, to their surprise, I wasn't listening to Jesus Bring Me Near the Cross. It's kind of it's hard to squat twice your body mass when you're listening to a choir like you need somebody kind of hollering at you they don't care about how bad you any other people gym rats in here like i need dmx god bless you rest his soul but that that's that you that that does something different to your soul you know what i'm saying um 
and I was listening to this, what? Yeah, but anyway, so I was listening to uh, so, some music in my headphones, and it was interesting because depending on what track was being played, I felt like I had more energy than the set before. Okay, so, and then like when a certain song would come on, like my body would almost go limp. Like I, I was able to lift this last week, but now that this new song is on, it's different. And it's really interesting because Christians will swear that music is not important in their lives. <laughs> While we're listening to, I'm on a highway to hell. And it's like, wait a minute, if we ever really listen to the lyrics, and if we believe that words have power, then also what we listen to has power. So that's why worship is so important because just like I, I mean, I'm gonna go way back. A Walkman, anybody remember cassette tapes? Yes, sir. Let's go. You are God's Walkman. Everybody's like, yeah, oh no. I'm, I'm. You look, point at you. Say, I, I'm God's Walkman. You're his favorite playlist, you're his favorite genre. You're his favorite artist. The, you want to know the only song that God cares about? He only cares about mine. You want to know the only other song that God cares about? Is yours. And you want to know something about how your cassette tape player, how your Walkman works? It works through the power and the manifestation of God. So people will say that they have a relationship with God, but they won't sing to him. It's not possible. You can't say you have relationship with Christ and you don't worship. But I just sang 30 minutes ago. That's great. But where was your heart in the process of it? A lot of people are going to celebrate anniversaries, birthdays, and they're going to get gifts. But let me say it again. How many of you have ever received a gift from somebody whose heart posture was jacked up? They gave you the gift to prove to you you couldn't get it for yourself. They bought the house to invite you over to dinner to try to rub it in your face. Okay, let me, let me talk to the side of the room. Like, I'm giving you this gift not because I love you, but because I'm trying to make sure that you know that I'm on one. Sometimes God feels the same way. Every time that we are in his presence, which is not just on Sundays, it's all the time. God wants to know if I hit this button right here on my Walkman, will this person sing to me? Your knowledge of people determines your ease of appreciation. It's really difficult to appreciate someone who is rude. And it's also really hard to bless somebody who you haven't spoken to in a while. Christmas is coming, and you're going to get those calls. Hey, auntie, can I get $30? Wait a minute, baby. I haven't talked to you since last Christmas. <laughs> there are some family members. I started out this way. I would talk to them just to keep the prime the well so I could get a better Christmas gift. And it was funny. As I began to do that, I started to realize it wasn't about the gift, but I got the gift of time. You know what I'm saying? You can call them. Every, I call my granny every week so that I can get that $20 when I show up to her. But then it, those calls and those conversations on Saturdays turned into 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 20 minutes and 30 minutes and 45 minutes. And then it got to the point where the posture of my heart wasn't what I was going to get, but it was like, I just want to spend time with you. But it's hard to appreciate and spend time with somebody that you don't know. So I'm hoping that in today's message, you'll actually understand that God is a person. Like, he's a human being that, I'm sorry, he is a God being, he's a spirit being that wants to have relationship with us. That's the whole point of all of this anyway. The whole point of all of this is to get you closer to God. Okay, so here we go. It is impossible to worship someone who you don't know. Your worship of God is determined by what you know about him. One of the reasons why you will see people hear the first chord of a song and they boo-hoo is because that's how much they know him. You ever been in one of those services? You were probably part of one of them today. I would apologize, but that's just the way. It, look at your neighbor and say, that's just the way it is. There are some people, they don't even have to hear the music. They're in tears before they get into the parking lot. They be in the shower. God, you're so faithful. Knowing what happened yesterday at Westroads, which we pray for those families, regardless of what happened, because God still saves. I don't, it doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? God isn't red or blue. He's God. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, but with what happened yesterday in the mall, how many of you guys know that there are people in this organization that were in that building that were covered? Okay. There are people that were in the building as all the chaos is going on who had the mind not to think of themselves but grab people, throw them in the back of the store, drop the gate, and begin praying over those people that they were about to sell something to. So this conversation of worship has nothing to do with music. It has nothing to do with syncopation, but it has everything to do with scream it, your heart. You cannot fabricate your relationship with God. Look at your neighbor say, it's impossible. it's impossible. 
And all the married men said, amen. amen. You can try and fake how much you love that girl in public. But guess who knows how much you love? She does. Oh, let's not play with it. Let's not cap. You know your wife knows how much you love her. It's not about the dinners. It's not about the diamond rings. It's not even about the vacations. But it's about where is your heart with everything concerning me. Because where your heart is will determine how you sweep the kitchen. It'll determine how you walk down the hallway. It'll determine how you look at other women. Or if you look at other women, it's the same way with God. God wants to know how deep am I in your heart? Are your eyes gazing other places? Is, is, some, is somebody else sitting on the seat of your, of your heart? And look at your neighbor and say, watch the throne. Because whoever sits in that seat is the one that runs your life. Let's go to 2 Kings 17. New Living Testament. I feel the glory of God on this thing already. Somebody's going to get free today. For the Lord had made a... Y'all got to talk to me today. For the Lord had made a... Somebody ain't saying it. One more time. For the Lord had made a... With the descendants of Jacob and commanded them. I want to stop here. Jacob had made a decision in his house. We're going to trust the Lord. Joshua says it too. He says, for me and my house, we will... Right. But Jacob does the same thing because sometimes the reason why people are worshiping isn't because they love God, but because somebody way down the line before them said, for as me, as far as I'm concerned, our house is going to serve you. So God has made a covenant with Jacob and the rest of the people that come out of him. Here we go. Underline this. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to put up a finger or make a tally or online, uh, put a number down every time that God tells them not to do what I'm uh, not, not to worship something else. You ready? Here we go. Do not worship any other gods or bow before them or serve them or offer sacrifices to them, but worship only the Lord who brought you out of Egypt with great strength and a powerful arm. Bow down to him alone and, uh, and offer sacrifices only to who? Be careful at all times to obey his decrees, regulations, instructions, and commands that he wrote for you. You must not worship that's crazy. We, we were only two sentences in, and seven times God has said, don't worship anybody but me. If it's not me, it's not me. That's, that'll preach right there. You must not worship other gods. Do not forget. We're real quick to forget God once we get what we were praying for. What does it say? Do not forget the covenant I made with you and do not worship other gods. You must worship only the Lord your God. He is the one who will rescue you from all your enemies. But the people. These are children of Israel. Remember, we know the whole thing, right? They're in captivity. What happens? God brings up a mighty man or mighty woman. They get delivered. They hoo-hoo-rah-rah-ki-ki-ha-ha. We're so happy. Then they get bored with God, and then they build something out of whatever they have available. They worship that, and then they get back in bondage. And, then somebody, and it's just the cyclical part. And people in the church are in the cyclical thing that believing that worshiping God is something that they can do just on Sundays. So you're free on Sunday. You're kind of cool on Tuesday, and then Wednesday you got to go to soccer practice, and then on Thursday you start thinking about what you're going to do for the weekend. Then Friday you do what you're about to do on the weekend. Saturday you feel guilty, so then you make up in your mind, Saturday at 7 o'clock I'm going to go to church so I can get right. And this cycle ends up going again. Let's go back to it. It says, but the people would not listen and continue to follow their former practices. So while these new residents worshiped the Lord, they also worshiped their idols. And to this day, their descendants do the same. I wonder who the descendants are. Who? People in the back are like, I, ain't no I don't know Jacob, huh? My skin is dark. I never met no black Jacob in my life. Maybe Jacoby, but that ain't, that ain't. Let's go to point number one. Somebody say your heart is a throne. If we are going to understand the mind of God, we have to understand that God is a king. We get it mixed up. We think that God is a healer 
We think that God is a savior. We think that God is all these different things. But no, God is the king who saves. He is the king that delivers. He is the king that provides. If we do not acknowledge God as king, it is impossible to serve him correctly. When you gave your heart to Christ, that's something that we got to stop saying because he already had your heart. He's, he's, he's had your heart. He, he created it. There are parents in the room that, are, that might be going through this thing where your children may not be in the house, but just because they're not at the crib doesn't mean that you've lost possession of them. Just because they might be strung out on drugs or sleeping around or maybe not even be here on earth anymore, you're still the father or the mother to that child. So God is still king over your life, even if you never proclaim him to be. But in order to get his benefits, you have to sit him on the throne. So now you're asking, ask, say, where's the throne? It's not here. This is pretty, though, isn't it? My mom helped me out. This is a throne. And this throne that God is supposed to be sitting on is in your heart. When you ask God, some people are going to ask God for the first time today, which we're going to celebrate the heck out of you. It's going to be an amazing, awesome thing. Heaven's going to go nuts. But you need to learn what you're doing first. Okay. Okay. When you ask God to enter into your life, you literally ask God to sit on a throne inside your heart. What you did was this. A lot of people will get bamboozled thinking that they let God live in their lives so that they had fire insurance. I let God in my life so I wouldn't go to hell. Hell's not that frustrating because there are some people sitting in this room that are experiencing hell every day. Poverty is hell. Cancer is hell. Sickness is hell. Your body not doing what you need it to do, that's hell on earth. So people aren't afraid of hell because they're living in it. So that's why we never talk about hell or Satan because they're unimportant. We talk about a God who is a king who wants to give us everything that we need, not because we want it, but because he's good to provide. I'm teaching this morning. I, I feel so great this morning. This is, this is going to be fun. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be fun. But we need to fix something. You don't give God your heart. You give him permission to move in. Now, how many of you have ever had a family member just move in? They came over to spend the night, and they ended up being there for a while. I can tell you what the conversation sounds like. Man, that's crazy, man. He got here Saturday. I hope he doesn't hear me talking about him getting a job. And then they do this. Hey, cuz, you know you got it. They won't scrub a toilet. They won't buy Nan grocery. Say Nan. That means none. Nan grocery. But they expect you to appreciate them. And God is like the same way. How can you expect me to bless you when you don't even acknowledge me that I'm the one that gave you the bed to sleep in? How? How are you sitting in, eating, living with, sleeping with the blessing, and you're, and you're more encouraged by that than the blesser? Your heart is the throne of God, but he must be invited in. Somebody say, be invited in. But this is the dopest part about God, Naturi. God is a gentleman. God, God, God does what my mama said. Don't be inviting yourself over to people's house. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. I, I can't stand that. Oh, I can't stand. Oh, I, oh, I hate. Uh, let me come over to the crib type person. Oh, my God. I can't stand. Oh, we want to come over. I can't stand it. Why? Because I haven't invited you. So then we'll pray and ask God, I need a word. I need a relationship. And he says, I can't come into a place that you haven't asked me to come into. I can't. It's impossible. There are some issues in your family right now if that if your people came home and just sat in the crib, it'd be taken care of. We ain't got to talk about nothing. Nobody going to beat you over the head. But if you would just come to the crib for Christmas, we could take care of this thing. But you have to be somebody say invited. Since God is a gentleman, he will never force himself anywhere. God doesn't answer to begging. God doesn't answer to decrees. God bless me. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't, doesn't um, uh, uh, answer to people, pe people being pathetic. You want to know what that pathetic prayer is? God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Because he knows. No, you won't. You won't. You can't. Because you can't do this thing called relationship with me without me. 
What God responds to, somebody say invitation. Whatever sits on your throne will affect the posture of your heart. So let's go to point number two. Posture is determined by who or what takes a seat. Now, they're going to throw up an image, and I want to show you something this morning. I'm going to show you something this morning. This is the image that we're using for our sermon series. Is there a way that you can make this smaller, potentially? Maybe, maybe not. No worries. So in the middle, somebody say, this is your heart. Now, I want you to translate that the heart is this throne. It's very pretty, right? If this was gold, the service would be in chaos because people would be trying to get a piece of it, right? So this is your heart. Somebody say, this is your heart. Online church say, this is my heart. Like, type it out. I'm going to watch you when I get back. This is my heart. In your heart, everything is connected to it. Let's name them. Your ethic. Your ethic is what you believe in practice. Because people have great morals and great values, but if they never put it in practice, they have no ethic. You have your feelings. What are feelings? Girl, I just love you. No, that'll pass. That, that'll pass. It's, it's hormones in your body. Trust me, I'm a male. I get it. Okay. You have your possessions, things that you own, that you have access to. You have your thoughts. That's whatever a man thinks in his Okay. You have your decisions. You have emotions. You have morals. You have will, and you have character. And it's interesting because this seat is only supposed to be God, but sometimes we will allow our feelings to sit here. And how could she ask me to come over? Doesn't she know how hurt I am? Like, and now the posture of my heart and the direction of my life is being run by this feeling called anger. Everything I do comes from anger. Everything. Everything I do, every person that I meet, the reason I ain't got no friends, the reason why my breath smells extra bad. Everybody's breath smells bad in the morning, but angry people, your breath is something different. It's just evil. It's just evil. It's like fried oyster skins on um, Spongebob. I love fried oyster skins. You can have a feeling of guilt. And that sits on the throne of your heart. And now everything that you do is, oh, I'm so unworthy. Oh, my God. Woe is me. Hey, Josh, how are you doing? I'm great. But you know, last week. You can have the feeling of loss. Hear me. He left you in 2005 for a reason, sweetheart. He wasn't your husband. But, oh, John, if he would have married me, we would have three kids by now. I'm watching all my friends go to Cabo and have babies and buy houses. And now what is happening is that I've allowed a feeling to dictate how I run my life. Do you want to go a little bit further? Somebody say amen. Okay. Let's go to our morals. What are morals? Morals are the character parts of your life that pull you in a certain direction. There are some people, when they see somebody elderly on the street, they weep. Why? Because their morals pull their heart in that direction. They see homeless, their heart goes. Women that have been beaten and taken advantage of, their hearts swell because it's like no woman should ever have any hand lifted up against her unless it's to praise her. They, there weren't enough amens on, amens on that one, but I digress. No woman should ever have a hand lifted up against her unless it's to praise her. Okay, don't make me do that ever again. No child should ever have to deal with a fist. It should always be a hand open to bring them in. Regardless of how bad they are. Children aren't bad. Look at the in. Okay. What about my possessions? Now, look how ridiculous this is. This is running my life. A watch. I do everything in my life. Because of the watch. Then I get married. Come here, sweetheart. And now where God used to sit, I have uplifted God and said, God, thank you for blessing me with my wife, but I'm good now. And now I don't have time for God because now I'm serving what he gave me. I don't have time for you, God. I got brunch on Sunday. Wait a minute. I'm just talking about me. I'm just talking about me. You feel some type of way? I'm happy. I did everything that I needed to to get her. My emotions were in check. 
my morals and my values were right. I got rid of some possessions to make sure that I could buy the ring that's on her finger and the house that we live in, right? My thoughts were like, God, I just want the mind of you because I know whatever type of woman that I want, my thoughts can't be all over the, all over the place. Amen. Because men, our minds go everywhere. God, you know what? I got to make better decisions because I got to make the decisions now so I see myself as good. I got my will, my character, my morals, and my emotions, and my ethic. God, now my heart posture is right. I get what he asked me for, and now I trade him in for what he gave me. And this is what our lives look like. This is it. God, you're worthy to be praised until I get what I praised you for. And now my heart posture turns from you to what you gave me. And now you have to understand something. Whatever sits in this seat has to sustain me. (laughs) She doesn't have what I need. Oh, my God. There is nothing that this woman can give me that God hasn't either already gave me or gave her first. Somebody should shout hallelujah. That's it. That's the whole sermon right there, Damon. That's it. I have totally told God, I don't need you. This is all I need. And then look how silly this is. Now I'm going to try to run my life with her, but the seat is only for one. So now there can be hell in our household because we're trying to figure out, why don't you listen to me? Why do you put the toilet paper upside down? Why do you put ketchup in the refrigerator? So disgusting. Cold. Who want to put cold ketchup on hot french fries? I digress. (laughs) Hot sauce in the refrigerator. Another thing. Who eats red devil hot sauce? But I digress. I digress. <laughs> Can we have fun in church? Is that all right? Is that not sacrilegious to laugh in the presence of God? So now we're trying to figure out why isn't, why isn't this working? I got you the Yeezys you asked for. I got you the giant rock on your hand. Got you the watch. I gave you me. But I'm not enough. I don't have enough power to run her life and to give her sustenance. If she got sick, I can't even pray enough to move God's hand. But I'll sit her, sit it on the throne of my life. And because she's sitting there, my ethic goes out the window. What used to be important to me is no longer important to me unless it's important to her. And you have to really be very careful before you have children here. Because then she'll replace that with the children. We go to soccer practice on Saturday morning. I'm a pastor. Saturday is my Sabbath where Johnny has soccer practice. I got to teach this word. Now what has just happened is I will pray to God to take away what he blessed me with because I didn't know how to manage it. Thank you, sweetheart. Then sometimes we'll try to replace God with ourselves thinking I got it. We don't need counseling. I'm good. Because how many of you guys know that counseling and therapy is ministry? Any other ministry or pastor that has ever told you that it was not is lying. And I will tell you the truth why. Because sometimes it takes the God in somebody else to pull the devil out of you. Because I'm not always on the throne of my heart. God's not always on the throne of my heart. Sometimes I got to go to somebody in the assembly of the righteous. Okay, y'all ain't playing with me today. Somebody else who has a bigger throne than I do on their heart and God sits in the middle of it. And the God in them can say, Joshua, you know, you got to deal with this thing called addiction, bro. You got to deal with this thing called depression. No, I just need prayer. No, prayer doesn't help if you're not willing to listen. It, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't help. You want to know why? You want to know why? Somebody say why. why. Because somebody laying their hands on you doesn't call a devil out that you've made home in the throne. Because in order for anything to sit here, say you have to invite it. Some of the stuff we try to cast out of people is not demonic because it just entered them. It was welcomed. Poverty is a demon from hell. Sickness is a demon from hell. Confusion is a demon from hell. Depression, anxiety, we think that it's like this guy with a pitchfork that's about to stab us. But no, anything that wasn't presented to us in Genesis 1 that's not of God has to come from hell. It has to. So if you're frustrated in your marriage, you can't say, man, God doesn't want us to win because God loves all marriages. Somebody say yes. Yes. 
if we were to take an inventory of the contents of your heart, we might find the following things that are on this board sitting there. Now, let's be honest. How many of us in the room by a silent gesture or maybe raise your eyebrow? How many of you guys can do this? You've allowed something to sit on the throne of your heart that wasn't God. I had to dethrone some stuff last night. Because one thing that I don't have up there, which is the opposite of character, is this thing called worry. Worry can sit on the throne of your heart and run you rampant. And now every decision that you make is because you, have, you, you, you can't make up your mind. The woman that God called to you to marry, bro, she doesn't like me anymore. No, you were worrying too much about trying to sustain for something that you couldn't. You can't sustain for her. She's made with God. She is God. God is on the inside of her. How in the world could you prepare yourself? You should have just got on a knee and asked God to help you. I'm not big enough to fill the space in this chair. But there's only one person that can sit on the throne of your heart and say, Jesus. That's the reason why he died. The reason why Jesus died, write this down. The reason why Jesus died was to sit on the throne of your heart and fix your heart posture. Because whatever sits in that seat has to have the weight to hold it down. God is the only person that can sit in the middle of your heart and take care of your morals, your will, your character, your emotions, your ethic, your feelings, your possessions, and your thoughts and your decisions. God is so bad that he looked at Moses and he said, who made man's mouth? You trying to tell me that you can't go talk to Pharaoh? I made Pharaoh. Who are you trying to tell? I created the emotions that you have. The stutter that you call an impediment, I created it. So who are you to tell me what I can and cannot do? I am God. Somebody say, I am God. So let's worship him as such. Point number three. The God you trust doesn't like to share. He doesn't like to ride Miss Daisy. He doesn't like to sit coach. He doesn't like to sit shotgun. He likes to sit where that thing called a steering wheel is. And he likes for you to sit in the back. Carrie Underwood. Jesus, take the wheel. Here it is. The only thing that can take the place of God are things that we place in his seat. Let's go to Exodus 20, 3 through 6. Exodus 20, 3 through 6. Look at your neighbor. Say, anything that sits on the throne of your heart that is not God is an idol. One more time. Anything that sits on the throne, get personal, of my heart. Zoom in for my people online. Say, anything that sits on the throne of my heart that is not God is an idol. We should say any and everything. Here we go. Exodus 23 through 6. Is this good? Clap once. All right, we're good. I got 12 of them. We're good to go. You must not have any other God but me. It's so interesting. He said it like nine times in our service already. And I think the reason why he called us the children of Israel is because we're just like children and we don't listen. You know your kids. Xavier, huh? Boy, if you can, huh, you can hear. And my mama used to do like this. Joshua? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And she'd be sitting on the sofa. <laughs> Yes, ma'am, what do you need? I just want to make sure you weren't getting into nothing. Like, what are you, what? I'm 22 years old. Still, I ain't getting into nothing. All right, I'm sorry. I'm kind of, I'm kind of. You must not have any other God, small g, because nothing can be God. You can't even capitalize the G on the things that we call God. You can't take, like, a Sharpie and go, eh, 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 and put it, you, you can't. You can't make God what is not God. Look at your neighbor. Say, if it's not God, it's not God. You must not make for yourself an idol. You should not make yourself anything that is not me that you try to fit in the space that you said I can only have. Of any kind or, any, or an image of anything in the heavens or the earth or in the seas. You must not bow down. Oh, I'm sorry. We're like at 12, right? You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Not only am I jealous, I don't even want you having any type of lust for anything except for me. 
I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, meaning that if you are the household owner, you are the man of God over your house. I wear the pants and you don't worship, your children will suffer. The word, that's not me. I'm t- Look at your neighbor and say, we are all affected. That's why men should be the most blubbering messes in church. Masculinity in the presence of God, that should come from hell too. You mean you're too manly to cry before God? You're too manly to fall on your knees? He's the one that sustains you to get the bread, to get the house that you're living in. You didn't do that. I'm a man. I'm a strong man. You can't be because God will remind you of how weak you are in a moment. All the men in the room said what? Yes. The strongest thing I will ever do for my family as a man isn't just take care of my wife. It's love God. Because I cannot love her with a heart that's crappy. God's the only one that can fix my heart to love her. I cannot do anything in my own strength. But. I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations of those who love me and obey my commands. Now, let's look at this word jealous. Jealous is, uh, God is not jealous like 16-year-old boyfriends. You know, the ones that are insecure. Jealousy in this place isn't that God thinks so lightly of himself that when you put the car on the throne that he's like, man, I'm, I'm better than a V6, aren't I? No, 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 no. Jealous in the Hebrew and the Greek literally means to be very watchful for or guarding or keeping of something in your possession. So when God says, I'm jealous, God, he basically means that I envy what you possess over me. Now, let's look at the word envy. Somebody say envy. Envy is a feeling of discontent and ill will because of another person's possessions. Now, wait a minute. Did what you buy go to the house or did what you buy actually purchase you? Think about it. The house is dope. We get it. There are people with bigger houses than you. Nobody cares about your house. I don't care about six bedrooms. I don't care. If I told you about the real dream that's in my heart, the house that you're living in would be like, anyway, that's the dream that I have. So nobody cares about your house. Nobody cares about your shoes. Nobody cares about how big the car is. The reason why you bought it is because you care what people care. You care. Don't cap. Don't shrink. Oh, yeah, yeah, you care. Man, I I don't really care. If you didn't care, you wouldn't have purchased it. So God, when he says, I'm jealous... He basically says, I absolutely hate anything that gets your affection that's not me. I don't care what it is. You're giving affection to your wife. Don't you know that I made her in my image? So what you find attractive in her is a remnant of who I am. You cannot place, you cannot place a, small, a big G on a small G and make it something bigger. Anything that takes your affection away from me, Joshua, I hate it. I can't stand it. Even if I blessed you with it. God doesn't care about your life because he breathed it into you. Everybody go, not you eating on, not you mean people. Remember, your breath smell bad, so do this. Go, oh, you got masks on. You're good. Say, not, you smell it? You smell it, don't you? Now you see why people, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. God doesn't care about your house because he gave you the power to get it. My promotion. What? God is the one that made you shine in the office place for your leader. Look at you and say, like, hey, there's something different about you. I think you should actually come and work with me on this project. By the way, what are you doing for the next six months? Can you lead this team over here in this section? Actually, you know what? We're going to give you a company car. We're going to make sure that you have a car to pay for your gas and all your food. Like, no, you're not that smart. It's the God that's on the inside of you that was showing, and your heart posture was fixed so that God could bless you. So God doesn't really care about the house because he honestly believes that he did it all. That's the weird thing about God. God believes that when you had a baby, even though you pushed it out, he did all the work. I'm trying to help y'all this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, God believes that he did it all. Look at this car I just bought. God's like, my car. Man, look at my wife. My wife. Man, look at, man, I'm so glad that I woke up this morning. Your alarm didn't wake you up, son. I woke you up, bro. Worship is when we acknowledge him as God, as the source. So let's look at this word God. 
Because God is not a title. God doesn't wear the title of God. Because if he could wear the title of God, that means that it could be reprimanded and taken away from him. No, he is God. You know how people say, like, there are gods of this earth? There are no gods. There is God. There's one. God is who he is, which means that he doesn't exist. He has no beginning. He has no end. Somebody say he just is. God is self-sustaining one, which means he's self-sustaining. He's omnipotent, and he's self-sufficient. So let's look at all of these words, because this is what he says of himself. Somebody say he is God. God is who he is, which means that he doesn't have an end or a beginning. God is self-sustaining, which means that he holds it all together. God is omnipotent, which means that he has all power. And the biggest one of all of them is that God is self-sufficient, which means that he doesn't need help doing any of it. I run it all. I breathe into you. I run it everything. I am God, and I don't need your help to do it. The word of God says that we were created for his pleasure. And you want to know what the one thing that we do for God that gives him pleasure is worship. But we deny it of him often. You cannot worship anything that does not have worth to you. Think about that. What if your posture in worship, the physical display of your affection towards God, proved your relationship with him? Would, you be, would people be able to tell that the God that you call your God is your God? That's like me being married to my wife and never doing anything for her and saying, like, well, look at me. You could tell I love her, but I've never hugged her. I'm not affectionate with her. I don't remember the little bitty things that are important to her. Because once we got married, the little things that were important to her should be just as important. They shouldn't change because she married me. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we can make people feel guilty for things that they had before we met them. Okay, let me... uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) Do not give anyone else credit for what I've done is what God says. That's, That's all he wants... Your acknowledgement of him as source is just, just acknowledge me. It's what you do with your kids all the time, don't you? Huh, baby girl? And she grabs the water and you say, and she goes, thank you. At first, it's something that you're forcing out of them, but you're hoping that at some point it'll catch on. That's why God blesses you with small things all the time. He's trying to steer your direction just to say thank you. He's not just blessing you because he loves you. It's the small ones so that you can remember and be reminded. Thanks, God. Thank you. That time when you were driving on 680 and you did one of these and you almost got hit. Oh, man, man, I'm glad I have my eyes on the road. No, let's replace that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. When you're driving down the street and you see that person that we sometimes think that we're better than wrong heart posture, sitting there panhandling. Instead of saying like, man, he should go to get a job or go down to the St. Francis house. You know what you should do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. When you're driving, we have this thing. When we drive past children's, we praise God. Okay, I'm, y'all too sanctified for me. Okay. When we drive past hospitals, cancer, uh, you know, like um, the places, the treatment for HIV and AIDS, the place for cancer, the place for breast cancer, things like that, the places where they're treating women that are infertile, you know what we do? We praise God as we pass it. Why? Because we're saying, God, if we acknowledge you out here, maybe you'll do something that they need in there. That's why we worship before we hang out with our family, before we get in the house, because we understand something. God, maybe you sitting on the throne of my heart will be what I need for my cousin to come to Christ. Maybe it won't be me beating him over the head with the Bible. By the way, when has anybody ever received anything by being beaten, even with the word of God? Mm. 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 Nobody wants to be forced to do anything. We should just invite them. Even if they say no, it doesn't mean anything. It just means, okay, not this time. But if there's still air in their body, that means that there's still time. Still time. If we don't worship God, whatever we worship will cease being sustained by God. Can we talk about it? Let's do it. When idols sit on your throne, worship is impossible. Point number four. What did I say? When idols sit on the throne of your heart, Worship is impossible. Our biggest temptation as creations of God is repre- uh, our, our, biggest, uh, our biggest 
uh, our biggest problem as recreations of God is trying to see God in things that he's not in. We try really hard to see God in things that he doesn't reside in. That's why we stay in relationships far longer than we need to because we're trying to see God in something that he's not. That's why we stay at jobs longer because the paycheck is good but God's not there. That's why we deal in war with nightmares and familiar spirits because look at your neighbor say he's not there. Because just like we say if it's not God, it's not God, guess what? If he's not there, he's not there. Yeah, let's go to Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. 10 through 14. It says, when you have eaten your fill, but be sure to do what? Praise the Lord, your God, for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord, your God, and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built Find homes to live in. And when your flocks and herds, that's how much you knew somebody had bread, was how much, how much animal, how many animals they could buy, right? Because you couldn't even marry a man's uh, daughter unless you had twice as many animals. You, like, you had to pay him his retirement before you got her. And the church said yes. Some of the men like, what? Huh? <laughs> I'm barely paying for this apartment. I feel you, dog. I feel you. And when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Somebody scream, be careful. Do not become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God. Because you couldn't have had all of that stuff you just purchased if you were still in slavery. Slaves don't own anything. Sometimes the fact that you have a house, even though it's roach infested, you should praise God because you own it. Slaves don't own anything. In some countries, women don't own anything. They're looked at as an object. So this thing called femininity, thinking that there's a weaker sex, is a lie that comes from hell as well. Because that's a slavery mentality, thinking that women can't be as strong as men. Okay, what, what's, are we, we good this morning? We all right? What does it say? But do not forget. Do not become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God. Isaiah 44, 9 in the NIV, it says, all who make idols are nothing. That's the word. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Whatever takes the place of God on that throne automatically loses its worth. The minute you put something in the place where God sits, you have now told God, I want you to take away your sustaining power. Because the gifts that God gives you, they come with his sustaining power. The reason why your marriage works is because God's sitting on the throne. I would even go as far to say that it's really difficult to have a really great marriage if God isn't sitting there. I'm just speaking from, I, we, listen, listen. I, I haven't done counseling because I haven't got that one yet. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I haven't got my um, counsel um, wedding badge yet. I wanted to be in Boy Scouts so bad. <laughs> Not really. I thought they were. Anyway, uh, so, uh, but I haven't got that one yet. But sitting in the meetings and watching my parents and other people counsel, it's really interesting what people will get divorced over that sits in the throne of their heart. Uh, so you mean to tell me a checkbook sits there? If you're married, you mean to tell me that your DMs run your life? What's said in the secret place that should only be held with the person that you love? That? Look how ridiculous this is. Let, let, me, let me prop it up. You mean to tell me that the gram? Instagram, Instagram runs your life. It, no, it, it doesn't just influence your life. It runs your life. Look, at, I'm going to leave it right there for all y'all. That right there. All you 16-year-olds like, but I need my phone. Mm. <laughs> Whatever takes the space of God becomes worthless. Worthless. Now, now let's, let's, let's understand why something becomes worthless. Because sometimes what we can do is that we can worship worship. You ever been to that conference and the boy that's single is trying to worship and fluff his peacock feathers to make sure that he finds himself attractive to the most cute girl in church? Oh, that was you. That's why you ain't laughing. He's like, hey, man, get off, my, get off my neck, bro. I'm in your mail this morning. Listen to this. 
The process should lead to the purpose. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, the Amplified. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of dawn. You have been cut down to the ground. You have weakened the nations, king of Babylon. But you said in your heart. This is Satan. Satan, right? So we call him Lucifer. let's, Let's go back. Lucifer was the prince of worship. They say that his body was an organ, not like, that's where we get the word organs from. Like we didn't have like hearts and kidneys and all that stuff in heaven. We didn't need it. So his body, his chest cavity was pipes and whistles and strings. And it says that as the angels would begin to praise God, it would go through his body and be amplified to God. But at one point in time, Lucifer got to the point where he loved the sound of what was coming out of him more than who it was going to. They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it went through him. And at some point in time, there was a blockage. And he says, I guess I am kind of holy, huh? And you know how we talk about this thing that like, like lightning, he came down from heaven. People will lie to you and say that there was a war in heaven. There is no war. There's no war. There's no, there's no war. There's no war. What? There's no war. Want me to show you how much of a war there is? Hey, on the count of three, I want you to turn the lights up. Just really quick. Ready? One, two, three. Bring them up. Bring up the lights, please. Lights in the crowd. Can you bring them up? Do it for me. Come on. I need your help. Help me out. Maybe. How about we do this? Turn off the lights on the stage on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. Now bring them up on the count of three. One, two, three. Where was the war? Did you hear darkness go, oh, no. Did you, did you hear a, a fight? Help me, help me, Zoo Bright. No, because when light shows up, there's no, there's no fight. So it says in the word, but you said in your heart, Satan didn't even say it out loud. He thought in his head. Satan thought in his head. I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the remote parts of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And instantaneously, the minute the thought went into his head, it went into his heart and he was cast out of heaven. There's no war. When you don't worship God, he doesn't like pick up all of his bags and leave and let you know that he left. He does it subtly. Like smoke. What used to work doesn't work anymore. What used to bring you joy isn't as joyous. What used to be deep baby blue is now a shade of gray. And you're trying to figure out, I got everything that I needed. So you can live your whole life and get the house, have the baby, 2.5 kids and a car and a house and be unhappy. Why? Because none of those things can sustain you by sitting on your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, why do we worship? We worship to acknowledge God as the source of everything. Somebody say the source. Isaiah 29, 13, it says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are as far from me. So you can sing, dance, praise God all the time. But if your heart isn't in the right posture, he can't receive it. And their worship to me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. That's why we can't play oceans every Sunday, because then you'll get to this pattern that every time the song comes on, you worship. So now you're worshiping the song. Spirit, and God's not even in the room. It's interesting. We go to worship services and I'm not even going to put people out, but you can tell, I can't tell you, I can't explain to you the presence of God, but I know when it's there and when it's not. You, You feel me? So it's not about goosebumps. It's about the presence of God has to live, somebody say, on the inside of you. So I honestly think that it might be time for us to evict some of these idols. I have to believe that some of you that are sitting in the room, that the reason why you're quiet isn't because it's not making sense, but that it actually is. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for your sins. Like when he died and he bled, your sins are taken care of. Any pastor that tries to hold sin over your head like you can't get it, that's foolery. You don't need somebody to stand between you and God. When he died, you have a relationship. Somebody say relationship. Okay. 
God's not really worried about your sin. Because he says when you commit sin and then when you ask him to forgive you, he takes that sin and he throws it as far as the, is from the, so sin's not a problem. Pornography, eh. Lying, eh. Being frustrated, eh. But your heart, though, that's all he wants is your heart. So look at your neighbor and say, we got to evict some idols. Because there are some things that you've invited into our lives in the same way that you invited it in. You got to kick it out. You don't need to give it a two weeks notice. You don't need to send it a text message. You don't need to explain to it why it's so hard that we must part. That's Shakespeare. You, know. you just need to evict it. Because the minute that we stop worshiping God, we begin worshiping something else. Humanity doesn't have a problem with worship. You worship all the time. It's the question of who. Worship is what sustains your life. But what you worship can sustain your life. Thank you for your presence. I believe, I, like I hear, I hear surgery happening. Well, there's some folks in the room that are watching online. I'm even going to have to do it. When you get married, y'all, there's this thing called pressure. I'm not going to lie. Watching people that get the nice house and they're younger than me. You know what I'm saying? I'd love to bless her with a better house. You know what I mean? And it's real easy for me to start moving God out of this place and trying to work hard so that I can give her a better life. God, I know that you're God, but like, let me, let me take a whack at it. That's what uh, Bugs Bunny used to say. Let me, let me take a whack at it. And the minute that I move God out of this seat, now I'm worshiping myself. And I honestly believe that there are some people in the room that you're tired of trying to worship something that can't take care of you. The house is dope. God bless you. But you should be blessing other people with the crib. If you're married and you have a nice house, you should have at least two or three other couples in the crib every other weekend, helping them get to where you are. If you have a nice car, there's somebody in your neighborhood that has a child that it's hard for them to get them to work and to get, it's hard to, it's hard to get them to school and get to work at the same time. You could pick somebody up, couldn't you? Because when we keep God on the throne of our heart, everything that we have begins to glorify him. The reason why it's called a sacrifice of praise is because doing this hurts. Man, the reason why it's a sacrifice is because this is difficult. Since the day that you were seven years old, you've been fighting your entire life. You've been sitting in this seat. Nobody's going to do nothing to me. Nobody's going to touch nothing to me. My daddy left. My mommy left. Mom, this person touched me in a closet. You know what? Nobody's sitting in this seat because every person that sits in this seat does me wrong. And God's like, look, but you haven't tried me. And you've never allowed me to sit there, sweetheart. I'm a gentleman. And I'll make sure that everything that's ever happened to you, I'm going to make it a story for my glory. Because this is the crazy thing. Glory to God. Does anybody feel the presence of God this morning? As long as I'm sitting here, I can't be a husband to my wife. I have to be God. As long as I'm sitting here, if I have children, I can't be their father. I have to be God. I have to sustain and your body was not built for the stress of trying to figure it out. Somebody's getting free this morning. You're worried and you're stressed out trying to figure out how you're going to make ends meet. You can't. You're not God. So we got to evict the idols, even if it's you. And I believe that even in this moment that some of you spiritually, this is what you're going to do. I've never had anybody else sit in this seat. <laughs> it's really scary because now I'm out here by myself. But look at your neighbor say it's impossible to worship God without faith because you're worshiping something that you can't see or hear or feel but if you trust him enough I promise you'll see him I promise you'll hear him and you'll feel him so those of you that are sitting in the audience and that are watching online you're probably asking like, like how, how, how do I how do I do this thing called evicting how, how do I evict because I love the car Great, love the car, but just don't give your love to it. Love it, enjoy it, but it's not the source. It can't cure the, the, the sickness in your body and in your family. Glory to God. So this is how we do it. Number one, you have to acknowledge that there are some things
that may have taken the place of God on your heart. Do it right now. We're in that worship part. Do it right now. What does it look like? Is it on your knees? Is it on your face? Is it standing up? Do it right now. Don't worry about the person on your left, your right, your husband, your wife, the person that's next to you. What if today was the day that you actually became free? Let's acknowledge, God, there's some stuff that's been sitting on my heart. I'm worrying about stuff. I ain't got no power to change. Come on, right there where you are. Close your eyes. Go ahead. Stand to your feet. Go ahead. God, I'm trying to figure it out and I can't. Let's acknowledge it. I can't. I can't. I can't sit in this seat anymore. I'm tired of being angry tired of anger running my life i'm tired of being jealous of things that i can't get like i'm tired of it let's acknowledge it second thing is that we have to remove now that you've acknowledged what it is right there in your own heart fix your posture remove it god i remove it i ask with your help come on open up your mouth come on open up your mouth god i ask that you would help me move this out of my and they did me wrong we know they did you wrong sweetheart we know they did you wrong dog i get it bro i get it But you can't let this run your life. You can't let this run your life. Now right there in your heart, replace God there. 